I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our midweek Bible study. I'm so happy that you're here. Why don't you grab your Bibles and meet me in Deuteronomy chapter 28. We're going to start today in verse 1, and we're going to talk about God's problem-solving equations. Very, very exciting. Praise the Lord. Let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we go into your Word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the eyes of our heart that we can understand your word and apply it very clearly, very simply to our lives. Now, we thank you for this work of your spirit. In Jesus' name, we all agree and say, Amen. Verse 1, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. Let's stop there just for a moment. We have the statement that if we diligently obey. Now, the word diligent in the Hebrew is the word shama, and it means to listen and to understand with intelligence. So we need to diligently obey. So we have to give it our best effort to understand it and to listen, to give great attention to the voice of God. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments. When it says to observe carefully, that in the Hebrew is the word shamar, very close to the word shama, just add the R onto the end, but it's the same root word. So we have the word shamar, which means to observe carefully. And that also means to keep watch like a guard and to keep what you're watching, what you're studying and observing, to keep it in your mind, and it can even include the meaning of keep it in your memory. So to observe carefully all His commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. So it takes effort, my friends, to really dig into the Word of God, to know what God's Word is and what His will is, because they're linked together, and to know His commandments, to know His rules, His laws, His regulations. We could say it like this, to know His principles. Woo! Now, again, it says, it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments, then you begin to step into all of the amazing things included in verse 2 all the way down to verse 13 and 14, what is called the blessings. And then after that, as you get into verse 15 and onward, those would be the curses. But we're, we have a great interest in the blessings of God coming upon our lives, and that is linked very specifically, it says, to verse 1, which is to diligently obey and to carefully observe. This is going to require our attention. This is going to require our focus. And I have found, really, that God's principles, in so many ways, it's, uh, they're like mathematical equations. Woo, praise the Lord. In other words, let's talk about multiplication just for a moment. Three times three equals nine. Seven times seven equals 49. Nine times seven equals 63. Nine times nine equals 81. And on and on we go with mathematical, uh, you know, just numbers working out the multiplication system and things like that. But look, as we advance in math, we can get into these areas where we have problems that can be very difficult to solve. But fortunately, wise men and some wise women over the centuries, over the millennia, have 
figured out what we would call certain mathematical formulas. And when you get into geometry, and when you get into physics, and when you get into these other types of uh, more advanced mathematics, you're going to have to have these formulas, or else you're never going to be able to solve certain equations. They're just too complex. So by having certain formulas, you can plug them in and work your way through the problem. But let's just make it s simple stuff. Instead of advanced mathematics with you know real complex formulas, let's just do simple things. 9 times 9 always will equal 81. 10 times 10 all, always is going to equal 100. Well, Pastor Stephen, you know, I, I tried to do it. Uh, I did 11 times 12, and the number's coming out wrong. Well, okay, it's going to come out right if you're adding everything up right. Maybe you got a number lined up in a wrong bracket. Maybe you didn't carry over a 1 or carry over a 2, and so you're getting the different number. This is elementary, but still, you're getting the number that's different from what you should get. Well, we know that if you follow the mathematical chart, you know, and you, and you, and you work it right, you're going to get this answer. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm not getting that answer. There's something wrong with the formula. No, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with the formula. There is a wrong application of the formula. So, here's the thing. We have to be diligent. We have to observe carefully the application and the rules of God's Word. If we do it right, the answer is always going to be correct. If the answer is wrong, we have to go back and find, like in math, you know, whether it's junior high, high school, working your way through college and onward, maybe master's and, you know, doctorate and things like that. You know what? If there is a mistake and you got it wrong on the test, you're going to have to find out how to fix that. And the only way to fix it is just go back through that problem again, slowly, and just rework it again. And you might have to go through it five or six times. And, you know, if you keep coming up with different answers, it's because you're doing something wrong. But eventually, when you get the right answer, you'll see, oh, that's where I made that mistake previously. And now I know how to get this right. And the more that you work that formula and the more that you work those type of problems, the better that you're going to get at it to the point you can become very, very proficient at it. Now, we need to view God. We need to view God and His Word, which includes all of His amazing promises, like we would also view a basic math equation. And you know, God's the creator, the originator of math. God, God likes math. God likes numbers, likes numbers so much He even wrote a book in the Bible called Numbers. But it really will help you to move into a place of life well, you start having victory, not just in certain compartments of your life, but across the board, across the spectrum of your life, you know, in your walk with God, in your relationships, in your marriage, in your finances, in all of these variable compartments that make up the complete wholeness of our life, you will begin to have victory in, in the fullness of, of your life if you can understand that just like there's math problems and there's various math equations, you can apply the formulas and solve those complex equations. And with your own life, you can begin to apply the principles of God's Word to your life, and it will begin to work in your life. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Now, if you are getting the wrong results in life, in other words, you know that in God's Word, 
God promised a certain outcome. God promised certain results. But perhaps you're not seeing those results. If that's what's going on, you're getting the wrong results in life, then you need to sit down and have a talk with God and have the roadmap, have the, the master formula that can solve any math equation or any complex life issue have it next to you and sit down and start talking with the Lord and just say Lord why am I coming out wrong on this problem where am I missing in that but see here's here's the thing this is why although I'm, I'm not by any means a mathematician this is though why I like math uh, although math is not my thing in life uh, you know, I, I would have to say that I come from a mathematical fam family. My father was very, very smart in math, chemistry, and uh, metallurgy, and all of that stuff. And so, you know, my brother's very, very good at math. My older brother, you know, a physicist, and just, you know, also going through high school, going through college, just blowing the curve, and, you know, taking all the tests, and getting the highest scores, and stuff like that. And I guess a lot of the teachers uh, you know, because my brother would go before me, and I'd come up behind him. You know, two years later, and they thought they thought I had the same thing. <laughs> well, I didn't. So I'd get I get into the math classes, get totally lost, get confused, get over into these other things that you know, chemistry and stuff like that. And I just, uh, you know, I just, I just didn't have that that same type of gifting like he had. But still, still, I like math. Why? Because if you do it right. You're going to get the right answer. It's that's what I like about it. It's consistent, and th and I have found out that g that's the way God is. That, that and I know that's why God likes math. It's a, it's kind of like a natural expression of His consistency. If you work that problem and you apply the formula and you you know you don't make mistakes and you work it right, you're going to get the right answer every single time, over and over and over and over again. And I love that. Now. God's Word is that consistent. It is the highest standard of all in the universe concerning consistency. In other words, if you take His principles, and you take Him at His Word, and you begin to work His Word and those principles in your life, and you follow the rules, you follow the instructions, it's going to work for you. There's no if, and, or but about it. Well, Pastor Stephen, it's not working for me. Okay, you're doing something wrong on the, on the problem. You're making a mistake. You're, you're putting a number in the wrong place. You're adding something wrong, dividing something wrong, subtracting something wrong, whatever kind of problem you're working on. You know, uh, something's, something's wrong. It's not God who's wrong. It's not his system. It's not his kingdom. It's, it's not his word. It's not his principles. Somewhere we are missing it. And so, there's something about our human nature that can go for for weeks, months. I I would cringe and say even years when something's not working out right in our life. Uh, we can go a long time and just think, well, you know, it's, it's it can't be us. It must be something else. I know what it is, Pastor Stephen. It's the government. That's what the problem. Is. But it's not the government. God's bigger than the government. God's principles will lift you. They will provide supernatural lift, and no government can hold you back. Okay, so it's not that. Uh, well, Pastor Stephen, it's the weather. It's bizarre weather patterns. No, it's not the weather. You know, God's God's principles will work and will give you lift, whether it's hot, cold, whether it's raining or snowing or or the sun shining. So we we can't make excuses and we shouldn't just, you know, go through life where weeks turn into months and months turn into years and we're not winning. And the, we keep getting the problem wrong. Every time we try to solve it, it's coming out wrong. 
We need to step back. We need to look at the chalkboard and we need to talk with God. Say, now, Lord, I'm trying to work my way through life. I'm trying to work my way through this certain area of my life that I'm having, you know, a struggle in and or maybe defeat in or, you know, uh, I'm not winning in this area. Now, Lord, here on the chalkboard is the principle. Now, I'm trying to operate the principle, but I'm, I'm messing it up somewhere. What's going on? And uh, it's fascinating that if you will humble yourself like that, that the Lord will begin to show you and help you in the area that needs to be corrected. You know, Kenneth Copeland, uh, who's a wonderful teacher, a great man of God, a great minister of the word, talked about the time where in his ministry, he kept coming up short. Uh, it was about a million dollars. There's a little over a million dollars. He would just, you know, it, it wasn't going away. There was a shortage in the budget of a million dollars. No matter what they did and tried or this or that, the problem persisted. And after some months of dealing with this, uh, Kenneth Copeland said, you know, he's, he kind of got frustrated with it, just like anybody would. I'm sure if you had a million dollar debt that's just hanging around and doesn't go away, that, that you know, kind of could be quite irritating. So, after some months of dealing with this and it not going away, he stopped and he talked to the Lord about this specific problem. Now, remember, God's principles are like math equations, okay? <laughs> you can look at a math equation and think, uh, I can't solve that. Well, you can. You, you can learn that. God can help. He can help you to learn it. Uh, now, you may need to learn a formula. And there's hundreds of formulas in the mathematical realm and the mathematical world. And so you have to take the right formula, apply it to that equation, and you can solve it. So uh, here is the book of formulas, okay? And this can help you work your way through any complex equation that pops up in your life. And with uh, Prophet Kenneth Copeland, it, ha it happened to be a financial equation. Now, he already knew as a man of God, as a man of faith, that God supplies all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He, he knows all of that. He has stood on that, he said, for over 20 years and had seen the prosperity of God, had seen the provision of God supernaturally supplied, but yet on this one certain thing, it was puzzling him. He was stumped. Uh, something wasn't working in this area. So he went before the Lord about it, and uh, he said, Lord, he said, I need a million dollars. And the Lord said, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> And Brother Copeland said, well, Lord, you know, on paper, yes, I do. I mean, uh, you can see on paper that I'm carrying this deficit. And actually, the million dollars is it's not, it's not only is it not going away, it's actually the debt's getting larger. I, you know, we, we, we're not able to fix this. And he said, Lord, what am I supposed to do about this? And I, I found it fascinating, the, the formula that God gave him from his word, from God's word, God gave him a formula from his word to solve that particular equation that he was facing, that he could not, he just couldn't get the answer right before. Wow. Wow. Would you like to know what it is? Now, now before I show it to you in the scripture, think about this. You have a million dollar deficit and it won't go away. This, this is what most Christians would do. I'm not even going to talk about the people in the world, the sinners that don't know God. But this is what a lot of Christians would do. Don't raise your hand if this speaks to you. Okay. But a lot of Christians, if they had a deficit, they would begin to say, now we can't, uh, we can't, we can't spend like we 
would normally because we have a deficit we can't give like we normally would because we have a deficit so we're going to have to cut back we're going to have to um, lay off we're going to have to really uh, preserve until we get out of this but would you believe what the Lord told him when Kenneth Copeland went before the Lord with the million dollar deficit this is what the Lord told him and it's in Proverbs chapter 11 24 now remember we're talking about principles Woo, this is so important. These are principles of God. They're timeless. They're eternal. They'll work today. They'll work tomorrow. They'll work 1,000 years from now. They'll work regardless of what country you live in. They'll work regardless of what skin color you have. They'll work for anybody who will take them and apply them into their life. So this is what the Lord showed him. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. There is one who scatters yet increases more. Well, that doesn't make any natural sense. If you're scattering, if you're giving out, you're subtracting, you're taking away. How can it be that if there's one who scatters, he's increasing? How could that be? Oh, because if you do that, you're tied in into a eternal principle revealed here in God's Word. And you may not understand it. It may not even make sense to the natural mind, but I'll tell you what, it'll give you the lift that you need. Wow. Pastor Stephen, how could it be? It doesn't matter how it could be. It's just, it is, right? And if you'll work it, it'll work for you. Mm-mm. There is one who scatters yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Now we need to hold back. We need to pull back. Well, that's, that actually, according to God's word, actually leads to poverty. Mm-mm. So in the midst of a $1 million deficit that wouldn't go away, the Lord told him, increase your giving. Increase your giving. And actually, he increased it a lot. And as he began to increase his giving, God just began to chop that thing down. Chop that thing down until it was gone. Woo! Now, I have seen in the ministry that when a ministry partner or an online church member has a crunch, something unexpected hits their life that maybe they weren't expecting, maybe um, a financial need or something breaks down or maybe a challenge or a transition, I have seen the response of some who got it right and said, Pastor Stephen, I'm going through this test. I'm going through this challenge or this difficulty, but you're still going to be receiving the tithe. The tithe will come into the ministry every paycheck I get. Now, it may not be as much as it normally has because what I'm passing through right now, but I'm not about to stop tithing. Now, on the other side, I have seen other Christians who who are connected with this ministry that when they have had a challenge, boom, it's like their giving just disappears. Now, well, Pastor Stephen, surely you understand that, I, you know, I, I can't give in the midst of this. And they just stop. They stop everything. They stop everything. I mean, you, you can't even get $5. Oh, and they just totally disappear. <laughs> what happened? What, and and, and why, why with them does the struggle perpetuate? Why can they not pull out of it? Because your year goes by and nothing changed. Two years go by and the struggle is like, it's become like the eternal struggle. Why? Why? What's going on? They ran into a math problem they couldn't solve, and it, got, it was a little more complex than 7 times 7. They ran into something they couldn't solve, 
And so basically the puzzle, the, the puzzle or the problem still is still there. And they tried to solve it many times and it kept, they kept getting the wrong solution. The answer's wrong. The answer's wrong. Well, I give up. I can't, I can't. It's beyond me. But it's not beyond the word. Mm. Let me tell you, for any, any unsolved math problem in your life, anything in your life that's beating you, that's defeating you, that has a, a dominion over you that it's not supposed to, there's a solution somewhere in this, in this book. Praise the Lord. And if you'll just sit down, hang out with the Lord, God will begin to illuminate it to you, and He'll show you how to solve that problem. And it might, it might seem that when He reveals it to you to be the craziest thing in the world, like, like for Brother Copeland, in a time where he's got a big debt to give, and he did give more. God actually told him to give more, gave him a scripture for it. By the way, don't ever forget that when Isaac was in a time of famine, he actually thought about uh, just going down to Egypt and just totally getting out of the area that he was in and just clearing out. And, you know, this, he could have said, hey, this is too hard. This is not working. This is, uh, you know, this is not where I need to be. But the Lord said, no, don't go down into Egypt. Stay here. Stay right where you're at. See, God can bless you right where you're at. Pastor Stephen, I need to come to America. That's the land of opportunity. Well, there's a lot of people struggling in America. Just to, I just want to let, let you know that in case you're watching from another part of the world. And I know that many do. Uh, not everybody in America is on top. Although America is a very prosperous nation. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that, that still struggle. But I, I need to let you know that God can bless you right where you're at. And God told Isaac, no, don't, don't go down to Egypt. You stay here and I'll bless you right here. And what did he do? He sowed in famine right in the middle of a famine he goes out there and starts sowing seed and the Philistines must have thought this guy's crazy what kind of a person sows seed when the earth is barren and dry and it hasn't rained and it's probably not going to rain and hey we're all going to probably die and here's this guy out there sowing good seed he could have eaten that seed well he didn't need a seed he sowed his seed and God God blessed it and he God multiplied it and he reaped that year one hundredfold now suddenly the, the all the Philistines are envious they're jelly they're, they're jealous but they don't understand principles like he did a covenant a covenant man Abraham Isaac Jacob they were covenant men that understood covenant that understood the power of working God's principles mm-hmm. mm. thank you Lord Jesus again again if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully you're going to have to really get into the word you're going to have to dig you're going to have to know it because you know there used to be that old saying what you don't know can hurt uh, you know can't hurt you yes it can what you don't know can uh, really cause a lot of harm in your life and you you need to understand that see when I grew up in church uh, I, I was raised in 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 church pretty much. I, I I can't remember a time growing up when we didn't go to church because my parents were Christians, and you know from a little child I just remember you know going to church on Sunday and that was just what we did Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and uh, you know just do that for years and years and years, and you know you're going to learn a lot. And I did learn a lot about the Bible. 
I learned about, you know, the children of Israel crossing through the Red Sea. I learned about David, you know, killing Goliath, the Philistine giant. I learned all, I learned all of the good factual information. I learned, I learned events, but I didn't learn principles that was not taught. We didn't know about that. Here's something that we missed. And this is something that one great Bible teacher brought this revelation to the body of Christ about about 20 years ago. And it's it's been very helpful and it, it helped me too. But you have to understand this. What is that revelation? There's two parts to the person of Jesus Christ. Okay. There's the person of Jesus, number one, who creates your peace. Okay. And that's what most Christians know. They know that. Number one, they know the person of Jesus who creates their peace. In other words, you, you receive that peace when you know Christ is your Lord and Savior. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, now you have the assurance of eternal life. You have the assurance of the forgiveness of sins. And so you know you're going to go to heaven. So that creates your peace. So the person of Jesus creates your peace. But it's the principles of Jesus that creates your prosperity. And so many people, they know Jesus as the person who creates their peace. But they don't know His principles that create your prosperity. So you can be saved, you can love God, be on your way to heaven, and you know the person because He's now your Savior, but you don't know His principles, and so you're defeated. And uh, you're, you're happy that you're born again, and you're happy that, hey, even though life may be rough, I'm, I'm eventually at least going to make it to heaven. But because there are principles that you don't know, you you have these equations in life that are unsolved. They're the math problems that frustrate you, that aggravate you. And sometimes maybe you try to rise up and you try with another effort to solve it and it comes out wrong again. Why? There's a formula you don't know. And if you just had the formula, you can take that a formula and you can apply it and you'd be like, oh, why didn't somebody teach me that? And so I grew up in church and we, we learned a lot about Jesus, the Lamb of God, the, you know, the Savior who takes away the sin of the world, and you put your faith and trust in Him, and uh, you, you receive eternal life. So we knew a lot about the person, but when it came to principles, those were things that they were just not taught from the pulpit. They were not taught in Bible, in, you know, in the Sunday school class or the youth group. They just weren't taught. Nobody ever taught us about tithing, not even the pastor. He never taught about tithing. The old, actually, the only time he ever mentioned tithing was when he talked very negatively about it and mentioned it, mentioned it as being something under the Old Covenant and that you don't have to do that anymore. By the way, our pastor was very, very poor. And the church that we were in was a very poor church because we were robbed because the principle of tithing was never taught to us. Seed time and harvest? Are you kidding me? We didn't know anything about seed time and harvest. Now, we all had farms. When I say farms, we at least had gardens. Most of us had acreage. You know, it was a country church, so a lot of the people had acreage, and even if they didn't grow a lot of crops, at one time we did. We grew a whole bunch of stuff, cucumbers, pimento peppers, and all of that, and none of it really worked. It just, uh, everything everybody tried didn't work. Most of the people that were in the church, just a small church, maybe 80 people, you know, country church, but you know, you had people who would try to rise up from time to time and start a business, but everybody was either sick, or everybody was struggling financially, and then the business wouldn't do well, and even my my parents, they tried to do things financially, maybe start a business, and it just never worked out. But you know what? We were never taught 
about tithing, that tithing establishes a covenant, and tithing is mentioned all throughout the New Testament. Jesus, even speaking to the religious leaders, he said, you should have put the, the, the emphasis on just justice and mercy, and you should not have neglected the other things which you should also be doing, such as tithing. I mean, I mean, he just, he, he said, you should tithe. And then you have Hebrews chapter 7, which is totally New Testament, which validates that Jesus is still in heaven today receiving the tithe. And by the way, the tithe does not go down. Sometimes people say, Pastor Stephen, I'm not, I'm not going to tithe anymore to the ministry. I'm going to give my tithe to the poor. That's unbiblical. That's not scriptural. The tithe goes up. If you want to give offerings to the poor, you can do that because offerings can go down, up, sideways, left or right. You can do whatever you want with an offering, but the tithe is holy. The tithe belongs in the storehouse of God. And the storehouse is the source from which spiritual truth is dispensed. It's where you're taught, is where you're getting the spiritual life, is where you're hearing the Word of God expounded to you. That is where the tithe goes. When Abraham tithed, when, when he was, uh, well you see his example in the scripture of tithing, the tithe went up. It went up to who? To a man of God, to a priest of the Most High God, Melchizedek. The tithe didn't go down, the tithe goes up. It, go, it, went, it went to the man of God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So the tithe goes up. If you want to give offerings, you want to help the poor, you can, you can give the offerings in a downward direction. You can send that anywhere you want to. Praise the Lord. But sometimes people say, Pastor Stephen, I'm going to give my tithe to the poor. That's not biblical. That's unscriptural. The tithe is holy. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It's supposed to go into the storehouse of God. That's the place where you're being taught. That is the place you're being blessed. And that is the place where your spiritual nourishment is coming from. Okay, now, we were never taught about seed time and harvest. We were never taught, for instance, in, you know, we had like a youth group, a, a teenage youth group. Would have been a f fantastic time if one of the elders of the church teaching, having taught that group, would have said to us, now, you're all teenagers. You're probably going to be getting jobs soon. Not only that, many of you are going to finish high school soon. You'll be out in the workforce. Now, remember, when you get a job, don't spend all of your money. Always save some of it. Oh, nobody, but nobody ever taught us any principles, any principles. And so, you know, most people, they just follow along the path that they know. And nobody ever taught us in the church. Now, sometimes you would hear this teaching outside of the church because it was just good, good wisdom. But we never heard it in the church. Beware of debt. Beware of credit. Beware of easy credit. It's very easy to get lured into credit and you get in deeper than you want to, faster than you want to. We had never heard any teaching like that at all. We were never told that debt can take away your individual sovereignty. And that if you go into debt, you start to lose your sovereignty. You lose your ability to do what you want in life because now you're like a slave to the lender. And now you're stuck in that. Nobody ever taught us anything like that. Where were all those principles? They were in the Word of God all the time, but nobody ever taught us that. So many of us have had to have what I would call a crash course later in life where suddenly you start getting all of these math equations you can't solve. And you're like, uh oh, I've got to get this figured out. Where's the formula? Oh, here's the formula, Mark 11, verse 23 and 24. Here's the formula, Matthew chapter 3, verse 10. And you start getting the formulas, you can plug them in, and you start getting the right answers, and things start working right. Woo! Mm, and it sure is sweet. Hallelujah. Uh, goodbye, the frustration. Goodbye to um, all the agony that goes with uh, 
you know, not knowing what to do. And you want to win. You want to win in life. Nobody likes defeat or failure. But I'm just saying you're going to have to get in there and dig and study and learn and give strict attention to God's word. Because if you're losing somewhere, it's because you're violating a principle of God's word. And if you look at the track record of failure, if you look at the times you tried to get the math problem correct and it kept coming out wrong, look back and, and carefully observe. You'll see somewhere in there, there was a violation over and over and over again of a biblical principle. Maybe you didn't know it, but just because you or I didn't know it didn't mean that if we violated it, it wasn't going to hurt us. Mm. Maybe somebody never told you, hey, don't touch those live wires that could really hurt you. Maybe somebody never taught you that principle. So unknowingly, you just touched them one day and got the shock of your life. Well, uh, whew, that hurts. Yes, that, that's, uh, you know, that deals with laws and electricity and things like that. Principles that you should learn. Some of those things that are natural, we got them figured out. <laughs> Fire hurts. <laughs> it burns. Ouch. <laughs> Woo, things like that. Okay, so you, know, so you learn to be careful. But other things, we think, well, maybe they're not that important, but they're very, very important. These are life principles, and they're found in the Word of God. And when you spend time with God, spend time in His Word, the light comes on, and you're, you'll begin to see like, oh, that's why, that's why things haven't been going good over in this area. Hmm, I've been doing that wrong. Wow. And you know what? Maybe, maybe in, in quite a few ways, it wasn't your fault. Maybe nobody ever taught you. Maybe nobody ever lived the example where you could see it displayed right. One time I was in a church, me and my wife were in a church where, uh, you know, we, you know, we we're in a place where we saw a lot of things that were really being done the wrong way. And the Lord actually spoke to us and said, I'm allowing you to see this and you're in the right place. You're supposed to be here for now, but I'm allowing you to see examples of how it's not supposed to be done because some things were being done that were just complete violations of biblical ethics of how you should carry things out and, you know, do certain things in ministry. And it was being done exactly the opposite way, very recklessly, very even sometimes I would even say foolishly. And today, today, that's why, you know, if you do things like that, um, your future, you could really, you could really diminish the glorious future that God had intended for you to have. Praise the Lord. My friends, we have to take the principles of God's very of God's word very, very seriously. And understand that if there's something that's not working, there's a math equation that we can't solve. It's because maybe there's something we don't know. But we can find relief in knowing that the answer is in God's word. I remember, I remember 20 years ago, my wife and I, we had a certain area in our life that was difficult for us. And Kelly told me one time, she said, Stephen, maybe, maybe this area for us is hard because maybe there's something that we don't know. And you know, what, you know what my response was? Oh, no, there can't be anything that we don't know. No, no, we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> Can you believe the stupidity, the arrogance? That, that's what the human ego will do. That's what human pride will do. It'll say, oh, no, it can't be me. It's got to be some other factor that's outside of me that's, that's responsible for this. Thank God 
that when we humble ourselves, God looks down from heaven, he smiles, and says, now they're in a place of humility, <laughs> or the individual is in a place of humility, where I can actually get some revelation and some understanding over to him or her, or to them, so that they can receive the formula, the solution they need to solve that perplexing situation. Mm-mm. And you know, the Lord did give me light on that area. And uh, Kelly was right. It was something that we didn't know. But I'll tell you when the revelation came, it was like a light was flipped on in the room. And it was just like, ah, oh, that's why. And you know what happens when the light gets flipped on? When you start working the principle because now you know it. And, it's not, and also, it's not just knowing it. It's application of it. You start applying it to your life. It's just like the struggle goes away. It just goes away. And you think, well, how does it just go away? It's that, that's God's part. If, if you work the principles, you start to go up. There are certain areas, if you violate it, it can really hurt you, it can even, it can even kill you. Um, every year, needless people uh, or, or, or needless accidents take place where people die in airplane crashes because a simple rule or principle was violated. One of those things is very simple is that if you're flying an airplane and you're, you're going to take off, you're going to, you're going to take off in the airplane, you've got to drop the flaps. There may be a few exceptions, but not normally. And um, the plane, some planes can take off with the flaps not lowered, but they're probably going to crash. But most airplanes, especially passenger jets, if those flaps aren't down, uh, the plane's not going to get off the runway. You can get up to full speed. Uh, it, you're just going to run out of one runway and crash because the plane will not get up off the, the runway with the, the flaps not, not down. It's just, uh, you know, that's the way the planes are made, and that's a principle that was set up with the way it was built, and that's pretty much a standard. And so every, every year, though, there's a pilot, that, you know, and you, you just got usually a co-pilot that for whatever reason, they've got to put the flaps down. And, you know, got, got out on the runway and, you know, kicked the engines up full power, heading down the runway and, uh, ready, you know, just waiting for the wheels to come off and the, for the lift to happen and it never happens. And then suddenly there's panic and nervousness. And, and the next thing you know, it's another statistic of another accident that they didn't, you know, then they do the, you know, you have the uh, national safety government thing. They, they go in there and they examine all the wreckage and find out, you know, what happened. And, you know, oftentimes they'll find out, yep, that's what it was again. They didn't put the flaps down. And uh, it didn't have to happen like that. I was sitting on an airplane on a, uh, I, I won't name the carrier, but I was sitting on an airplane just a couple of years ago, about, about three years ago. And um, sometimes you wish you didn't know certain things, but if you know them, it, you know, you have that knowledge and it's in your head and, and uh, maybe you're thinking about it. And if you didn't know it, you wouldn't even be aware of it. And so um, anyhow, I happen to know about some of these things. So I'm sitting on an airplane right over the wing. And, uh, you know, the, this was a large flight, maybe a hundred people on the flight, not international, but just, you know, like a, you know, flying from here to halfway across the country. And so, you know, we get out on the runway and, uh, you know, lined up and, uh, you know, all the planes are, are clear. Now it's our time. We're getting up and I'm looking out the window and I'm thinking the pilot, the, the pilot, co-pilot hadn't even dropped the flaps yet. I mean, you got to do that just, you know, right when you're hidden out. You, as soon as you pull back from that gate, drop the flaps and, you know, because plane, the plane won't take off with the flaps up. <laughs> and, so, and so we're on the runway and the flaps aren't down. And I'm thinking, well, you know, the, you know, I'm sure he's going to put them down. Well, anyhow, plane starts taxiing, starts going, you know, full speed and uh, flaps still aren't down. And everybody else sitting on the plane just thinking, you know, this is just another normal flight. And I'm thinking, 
Lord, um, from what I know, if those aren't down, we're all going to have a, ma a major crash here and um, getting full speed. And, uh, you know, I could have yelled, drop the flaps. But, you know, nobody's going to know what that means. And, the, you know, flight, flight attendants, they're not, they're not going to know what that means or anything like that. Nobody's going to hear me way where I was sitting anyhow. So I just didn't say anything. I'm just looking and kind of praying, Lord, they really need to drop the flaps. And way down the runway, full speed. The flaps finally come down, and uh, they must have figured it out up, 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 you know, up front. But we almost became another statistic. You know, I'm just praying, Lord, they really need to get the flaps down, like right now. And they, somebody up front finally dropped them, and then, you know, that, now, now we have the lift. <laughs> and up we go. <laughs> Everything works just right if you work the principles. But if you don't work the principles, things can turn out. Uh, you can have disasters, yes. Mm-mm. Woo, praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, when the ministry gets there, when your ministry has their, uh, your own aircraft, are you going to fly it? No, I don't, I don't have time to do all that. I don't want to do all that stuff. I've got, I've got to have my mind on the Word, and I'll let the pilots hold down what they're supposed to hold down, and I'll hold down what I'm supposed to hold down. Praise God. I've got enough in my mind already. I don't want to learn any more about flying. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I think sometimes I already know enough to make me nervous. So uh, I don't want to know that anymore. I don't want to even be looking out the window except to enjoy the scenery. So praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But my friends, here's something that will really help you. Let me give you one more scripture today. You're going to like this. If there's an unsolved, let's call it math equation. And you know when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about something in your life where you're not winning. Some kind of situation, some kind of a, something going on. Uh, maybe it's health related or, or whatever it is. I, I remember one of the greatest ministers in the world about 20 years ago, he shared this. He shared that he was having heart problems, and he, he, uh, uh, he went before the Lord in private, and because he, he told this later, he said, hey, uh, Lord, um, you know I'm having heart problems, and uh, Lord, I'm coming before you, and I'm asking you to heal me of my heart condition. And the Lord said, don't come before me and ask me to heal you with your heart condition when you're eating all of that food that's clogging up your arteries. And the Lord began to talk to him about how he was damaging his body and harming his body, and, that, and what he was doing by eating all of that artery-clogging food. You know, the Lord's basically saying, I, I, I'm not going to come down there and force you to stop eating that. These are things you need to learn. You need to learn principles of healthy eating. And it's not my fault that you have this heart problem. So you need to, you need to make these adjustments. And he made the adjustments. And guess what? All the, all the trouble went away. What happened? He began to operate by principles. No, it didn't mean that he transformed himself into Mr. Olympia and now became like a 100% vegan. And, you know, now he's just eating raw turnips and, you know, raw okra. No, no. But he made the adjustments that he needed to make, and all of the health problems just left. The heart condition completely left. And even today, 20 years later, no health problems at all, healthy and doing well. I'm glad he shared that. We have to govern and live our lives by the principles of God's Word. Thank you, Jesus. Now, one more scripture, John 16, chapter 16. I want to read verse 13. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, and remember, he has now come. He's living inside of you as a believer. It says, he will guide you into all truth. Okay. He will guide you into all truth. When you sit down with God and you take His Word, which is loaded with principles and divine formulas to solve problems, when you sit down with God, the Holy Spirit will lead you into the truth that you need. Because there's, 
there's like a million different situations and variables and uh, life can be very complex and you're like Holy Spirit how do I sort through all of this what do I need to do as an individual because you know we all have tailored lives and the answer for me could be different uh, than what the answer for you would be. And then the answer for your best friend who's serving the Lord could be different from what the answer was we got. Now, yes, the principles are the same, but the, the way it's applied can be different because we all have very different lives with very different, you know, surroundings and things going on. But nevertheless, when God gives you the principle that you need and you apply it, you will start to get the lift. You'll start going up. That's what takes you up. It's, it's to lift. It's the God's divine blessing. He sets these things in motion, natural laws and also spiritual laws. If we violate them, we get hurt. But if we, if we know them and if we work them and we also honor them, then what happens? We start going up. You get the lift. Everything works great. And you arrive at your destination safely. And it's the Holy Spirit as you sit there and you say, now, Lord, show me in this area. What should I focus on? Lord, what is it that I don't know that I need to know? Lord, am I doing something wrong? Lord, is there something that I'm completely unaware of that I need to know? Woo! And that could be the case. There could be something that maybe you are completely unaware of that you don't know. And it, the answer could maybe even stun you. Wow. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And that that my friends it, sometimes it could be one thing and you get that one thing from the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit reveals it to you one of these principles one of these formulas from God's Word and that one thing will unlock your freedom and the next thing you know the for, uh, you know the the unsolvable problem becomes solvable and God begins to just melt it away but it just goes away maybe a sickness or a disease or something like that hallelujah you know we do have to be very honest and candid with the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I think the Lord really values and appreciates our admittance of our neediness for Him, of our vulnerability, of not always having all the answers or always knowing everything. Praise the Lord. But the Holy Spirit, who does know everything, who is the third person of the Godhead, he is able to lead us into all truth and to unveil the scriptures and give you the key, the golden key that you need. Wow. Mm, I've had a few times in my life of some things that greatly perplexed me. And I tried to solve the problem. Couldn't, couldn't, I couldn't get the answer. Try it again. Get it wrong again. Try it again. Get it wrong again. Try it again. Get it wrong again. And I, I would just, you know, out of that frustration would pray and there were a couple times in my life when the answer came. It came, it came with such an amazing brilliance of like a key. Been no different if a person put a real key in my hand and I unlocked a physical door with it. It had been the same thing. When the revelation came, I was a little bit like, God, how come nobody taught me that? Lord, how come nobody, <laughs> how come nobody showed me that when I was young? That would have saved me so much frustration and would have saved me a lot of difficulties. But it was never taught. It was never taught. And you know why? Maybe they didn't know either. 
Maybe they didn't know. And, you know, it's not that I hold anything against anybody or any certain teacher or anything like that. But I do believe that when we do walk in light, we now have a responsibility to help those who are in darkness. We have a responsibility to share what God has stewarded us with this revelation, with this knowledge, with this truth, so that others can be free. Hallelujah, because there are people out there who want to get out of the prison, who want to solve the math problem. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Look, there's answers coming. Lift your hands right now. Heavenly Father, we reverence you. We reverence your word. And Father, we hold in highest esteem the eternal principles of your word. Father God, any perplexing, maybe what we would call a math problem, but life application problem that we haven't been able to solve. Lord, help us to get it right now by the power of your Holy Spirit unveiling your principles to us. Now, Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you for golden keys from heaven coming down, coming down and unlocking the doors that need to open for us. Father, we give you all of the praise. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you. I see brown mantles coming down right now. The brown mantles represent the garments of humility. And you need to be wearing that when you're having your time with the Lord. There is no place in God's throne room for pride or arrogance. God, God in his word directly tells us he resists the proud. He'll just let them stay right there. Thank you. They know it all knowing that they know hardly anything. He'll let them stay right there. Mm. But when you're humble and you're hungry and you're thankful and you're grateful, you can come right before the throne of God and he'll just begin to dispense the wisdom that you need. So father, we give you all of the praise. We thank you for wisdom and revelation flowing. We thank you for your people up and flying at high altitude with great success in every compartment within every chamber of their life. Father, I thank you that you're making their lives beautiful, like the garden of the Lord, like the garden of Eden, splendid beauty in every part of the garden. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you for prosperity. We thank you for health. We thank you for anointing, for wisdom. We thank you for favor. Father, we give you all of the praise. Thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. God is touching minds right now illuminating minds hallelujah that's the power of the Holy Spirit helping you to think sharp helping you to think like God hallelujah helping you to think brilliant beautiful creative ideas praise the Lord mm -mm. now father we give you all of the glory we thank you for supernatural wisdom and your principles that would even appear to run contrary to human wisdom, which would always be in self-preservation mode, greedy, stingy mode. Father, we thank you for your principles, liberating our hearts and our minds. Oh, God, thank you for peace that passes all understanding. Father, we thank you for Jesus, that as, as a person, he is a person, he creates our peace. But we thank you, Father, it's his principles, it's his teachings, his principles that create our prosperity in life. And Father, we embrace his principles of prosperity with great joy. We treasure them, and we hold them very close to our heart. Father, we give you all of the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Woo! There is a way out for you. Follow it as the Holy Spirit unveils the golden path of glory to you. Amen and amen. Let's get ready to take Holy Communion today. Please grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice today. If you're watching me today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus, the divine mathematician, has already solved for you the greatest problem that's faced by humanity, the unsolvable problem that the world's greatest minds could never solve. It's called the sin problem. The sin, S-I-N problem, a problem that every human born into this world encounters. But Christ, by shedding His own blood as an innocent, pure, spotless sacrifice, has made redemption of lost humanity, has made a way where humanity could get back into right relationship with the Holy God. And He did that by shedding His blood, that whoever will believe in Christ, will believe in Him, and receive Him, and His redemptive work, receive Him as their Lord and Savior, can now obtain forgiveness of sins and eternal life. You can be born again, regenerated on the inside. If you're watching me today, and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer along with me. Pray it out loud to God the Father. Say, O oh God, I come before You as a sinner. Wash all of my sins away. Jesus, I put my faith and trust in You as my atoning sacrifice. Jesus, I accept You as my Savior, my Lord, and my King. Come into my heart now. I receive Your eternal life. Thank You, Jesus, for saving me. Thank You for washing all of my sins away. Thank You, Jesus. I am now born again. Woo! Praise God. If you prayed that prayer in faith, Jesus has heard you. God has heard you. You are saved. You are born again. Praise God. Please take communion with us. We're, we're part of the family of God. Thank you, Jesus. The blood-washed church. Blessed be the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. It's so good to serve the Lord and to walk in His ways. Mm. I don't want to live like a sinner. I don't want to live violating the laws of God, knowing that if you do that, you're only going to hurt yourself. God established certain laws, certain commandments, certain principles, not to spoil your fun, but to save your soul and to protect you so you don't kill yourself. Mm. Praise God. And when you begin to walk in the light of God's Word, you begin to discover what's real living. And then you'll see that all the lies of the enemy, they're nothing but that. Nothing but shallow, empty lies. And that his path and that his lifestyle is void of true joy and happiness. Mm. Even as Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Mm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the, the bread, the juice. We consecrate it. This is now holy. This is blessed. This is the body and the blood of our Savior. Father, we treasure your word. Thank you, Father. Let us dig into it. Let us, let us evaluate it. Let us meditate on it. Let us digest it, assimilate it. Let us be mindful of it. Let it be in our memory. Let it be in our heart. 
Father, we give you praise. We thank you that as we receive the body of Jesus, he is the word made flesh, and we receive him now. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the body of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 1, you'll see it very clearly, that if you are willing and obedient to what? To the commandments of God, to His principles. If you are willing and obedient, you will, not might, you will, just like a math problem solved correctly, you will eat the good of the land. Well, Pastor Stephen, it's not working for me. You, you've, you've, you've messed up the math problem. You, you, you've missed a number. You wrote something down wrong. Go back, rework it. If you're willing and obedient, you not might, you will. It's, see, it's a fact. It's a truth. It's a principle. It's either right or it's wrong. If it's not working, we have to go back and check our addition, our subtraction, or division, or whatever. We've, we've made a mistake somewhere. Okay, go back and rework it until you'll get it right. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. God will bless you in every way. Mm-mm. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that our sins are washed away. Woo! That we have intimate communion and fellowship with you through Christ. We receive his life giving blood now. Let's drink. Praise the Lord. My friends, I hope that you learn to love God's math, God's principles, God's divine formulas. Work them, they'll work for you, and you will have the lift and the success that you're looking for. God bless you. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.